Spoiler alert, welcome to There's More to That Story, the podcast where I tell you what makes a story great so you can love it more, or maybe just hate it less. Today, I dive headfirst into controversy. So first, before that, a little bit of housekeeping. I'd like to apologize about the issue with the book podcast. Something went wrong, and it was... 20 minutes of silence. I didn't realize it until it had been up for a few days and I had deleted the master to save hard drive space and I don't have time to redo redo it. So, sorry. Since this week is Thanksgiving, I wanted to talk about planes, trains, and automobiles because honestly, it's the only Thanksgiving movie I, that I can think of. Email me at morethatstorypodcast.com if you can name another movie about Thanksgiving. But unfortunately for all of you, it's been a weird week, and I've only seen that movie one time, so I would need to rewatch it, and I have not had time to watch it again, so I will have to wait till next year. Spoiler alert, I like it. Um, so instead, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite Disney movies and one of the PC Police's favorite punching bags, Sleeping Beauty. I love this movie. Of the Disney's Golden Age movies, it's a toss-up between this one and Peter Pan for my absolute favorite. It has great humor, great action, gorgeous artwork. All of the backgrounds in this movie are watercolor. It has great music. The whole thing, all the music in this movie was taken from Tchaikovsky's original Sleeping Beauty ballet, and they twisted it and uh, edited it and rearranged it to make it fit for this movie. It's... It's kind of disorienting when you're really familiar with this movie's music and you go and listen to Tchaikovsky's ballet. Um, but I would recommend it because it's very good music. The, one of the crown jewels of this film, beyond all of that, um, it has one of the greatest villains, not just that Disney has made, not just in animation, but one of the best villains in film. Maleficent makes this movie. I had nightmares about her for years. When I finally saw this movie again, when I was eight-ish, I think, I actually told my mom that I was facing my fear. I will never say this phrase again, but the movie loses something on Blu-ray. On VHS, the colors are a lot less intense and the contrast isn't as good. So in the scene when Aurora's alone in her bedroom and the fireplace and the fire in the fireplace goes out and Maleficent appears, all you could see were her eyes and the orb on her staff. And it was the scariest thing Disney has ever drawn. After seeing that as a kid, you had to close your closet door at night because if your closet was open, you'd be able to see Maleficent's glowing eyes as she prepared to get you. Blockbuster videos case for Sleeping Beauty. On the back, it warned parents that the sequence with the, dra- with the dragon might be too intense for younger viewers. And me and my siblings all saw that and said, screw the dragon! The worst part in this movie is Maleficent in the fireplace. We used to dare each other to look at our fireplace right after that shot. And it took us a while to get the courage to do it. That moment really <laughs> impacted my life. Sadly, on Blu-ray, though, you can see Maleficent's entire body and the fireplace behind her. And it just loses something. It was so much more creepy when it was just like this blackness and all you could see was the eyes and the orb. Um, Now, while I have several reasons for loving Sleeping Beauty, the internet has several reasons for hating Sleeping Beauty and most of them are stupid. Yes, I said it. Who wants some? It's particularly stupid that the PC totalitarians hate it because honestly, feminists should love this movie. 
But no, the internet rages on this rages on this movie like crazy. Aurora is drawn unrealistically thin. Aurora is a helpless damsel who just waits on her prince to save her. Aurora is barely involved in her own story. It just never stops. So I'll just go ahead and defend the unrealistically thin argument. It's called art direction. She was drawn in a way that she fits into the world that the movie created. I mean, just try picturing her a little meteor. meteor some now she doesn't fit into the design of the trees. Her design is just part of the overall design. Maleficent, the king, and the and Prince Philip are all dis bizarrely thin as well, and the fairy's hands are disturbingly small. They don't really have wrists to speak of. They're kind of, like their hands are kind of V-shaped, and their arms are kind of V-shaped, and so like the two V's meet at the points, and so it's like their wrists disappear completely. And then suddenly hands. You know, it, there's a lot of unrealistic things drawn inside of this movie. And then there's the, she just waited on her prince to save her argument. Let's unpack that, shall we? She had no choice but to wait for her prince. She was unconscious. Unconscious people tend to be pretty helpless. And people don't usually yell at them for it. Just about every other complaint has one simple explanation. The movie is not about Sleeping Beauty. The story centers around her, but not on her. Now, I will admit that the original story, like a lot of fairy tales, is a little weird and pretty lame, but the movie is not the original story, and that is what makes me mad. It bothers me when people misquote a movie. It bothers me when people say a movie didn't make sense because for some reason they didn't pay any attention to the movie, but a lot of the Sleeping Beauty complaints sound like the people complaining have not seen the movie in a while, or more likely just never seen it at all. So I'll move on now and tell you how the story actually goes. Feeling fired up about this episode. So let's set the stage here. You've got two kingdoms that are relatively close together, you assume, because the two kings are always hanging out with each other. And these two kingdoms are relatively happy and prosperous. But they're also near the domain of an evil sorceress demon thing, which... It's just bad planning on everyone's part. As I said, Maleficent is one of the greatest villains ever. She is pure evil and scary as I don't know what. She has almost limitless power and such a short temper that she may be bipolar. The kings want their kingdoms to be officially allied, so when one of them finally has a princess, they are elated. But at the infant's presentation to the local world, the kings intentionally leave Maleficent off the guest list, hoping she won't find out about the presentation because they don't want her to come. This gamble does not pay off. Maleficent shows up anyway and decides to curse the child. Everyone indeed will love her as she grows older, but she will die before the sun sets on her 16th birthday. I'm going to start reading into things a little bit here. Uh, you can decide whether or not this is true. From the fairy's conversation, I would conclude that Maleficent is also a fairy-type creature who is way more powerful and downright not good. The fairies hate Maleficent. They wish they were powerful enough to defeat her. But right now, just attempting to save the princess's life is a tall order. So the curse states that she will prick her finger on a spinning wheel and die before the sun sets on her 16th birthday. Meriwether changes the curse. She can't get rid of it. She can't break it because Maleficent is too powerful. But what she can do is she can she can tweak it. So she does so that the princess won't die. She'll just fall, fall into a coma. 
that's still not ideal, so the fairies hatch a plan to thwart Maleficent completely. They're going to hide the baby from her until after her 16th birthday. If the curse doesn't happen, I've always assumed something is going to happen to Maleficent. We don't know what or if this is true, but we know the kingdom citizens know the princess is safe by the amount of just raging thunder flashing on her mountain, the Forbidden Mountain, because Maleficent is furious that she's running out of time. So the fairies end up messing up, and Maleficent finds Aurora, and she does get put to sleep, and the fairies have to act fast. Aurora is essentially frozen in time, so rather than the king and queen having to grow old and die while their daughter stays forever young, the fairies cast a spell to freeze the entire kingdom, and thereby sparing everyone from the effects of no ruler after the king and queen die, which would result in a devastating war where two or more kings try to take over the prosperous kingdom, which could be Maleficent's goal, now that I think about it. Now, unfortunately, Maleficent knows the curse can be broken by True Love's Kiss, because fairy tale. And she knows where the young man who is madly in love with Aurora is going to be. Therefore, she decides to capture him and hold him prisoner to keep him from waking the princess until he's way too old to be a worthwhile ruler or husband to the newly awakened kingdom and princess. Also, this act potentially spits in the face of the magic's love clause by ruining both lovers' lives. So, the fairies do something that they have never dared to do. They go to the Forbidden Mountain in order to free Prince Philip. They break him out, Maleficent chases them, and turns into a dragon. Then, through a lot of help from the fairies, Philip kills Maleficent. Like I said, this story is not about Aurora. It's about the battle between the three good fairies and Maleficent. The original was a cautionary tale about why you never neglect to invite someone to a festive occasion. But Disney made it way infinitely more interesting, and also made Aurora just a pawn inside of this war. Now I've gotten to why feminists should love this movie. The movie is not about Aurora, but it's also not about Philip. They're both used as tools between Maleficent and the fairies, who are really the main characters of the movie. The inciting incident, Maleficent curses the princess, and the act one break, the fairies decide to hide her. All of the decisions about this movie, made throughout this movie, are made by the three fairies. There's this feminist test for movies called the Bechdel test. I think that's how you pronounce the name. It's a C-H, and you can never be sure. Um, now, in order to pass the test, a movie has to have three things, and it has to have all three of them. It needs to have two female characters with names. Those two characters have to have a conversation together. And that conversation cannot be about a guy. And even I will admit that it is odd how few movies meet those seemingly simple standards. But this I find hilarious. This movie, which is probably the most, fi the most feminist hated of all the Disney movies, second only, and if it has a contender, it would be Cinderella, it not only passes the Bechdel test, with flying colors, but it fails it in reverse. There are only two conversations between two men in the movie, and they are both about a girl. Now, adding to this, the heroes of the movie are three middle-aged, plump women that are engaged in a game of chess with the forces of evil, and they're wonderful characters. Flora is a natural leader who takes charge of any situation. Fauna is nurturing, caring, and loving, and Meriwether... Ah, uh, Meriwether. Meriwether, a woman, in case you forgot, 
maybe cinema's first loose cannon cop. She is awesome. She is constantly having to be reminded about the laws of magic and talking about how she wants to buck them in order to try and kill slash curse Maleficent. She's so good. Now, along with the three strong female protagonists, again, Maleficent looms as the powerful, terrifying antagonist. She's perfect. She's pure evil. She's erratic and has no morals whatsoever. The closest male equivalent Disney has given us is the Horned King in the Black Cauldron. But hardly anyone remembers him ever. Behind him, in terms of pure power, is probably Jafar from Aladdin. However, Jafar needed a genie to become as powerful as Maleficent, and he's goofy at times. Maleficent is never silly, and she needed no help from anybody or anything to become as powerful as she is. So, Sleeping Beauty contains four of the strongest female characters Disney has ever created, but it gets poo-pooed because we're told to concentrate instead on Aurora, who just waited on her prince on her prince to save her. But it's not like she chose to be helpless. To the viewer's knowledge, she had no idea what was going on. No one told her about the curse. No one told her she was in danger. No one told her Maleficent even existed. She was kept in the woods and not allowed to talk to anyone for 16 years for her protection. She knew nothing about the outside world and no one ever told her about it. You could argue she could have been curious and gone wandering around and learning things for herself, but she has maybe five hours after she finds out that she's a princess, and most of it is occupied crying in her bedroom. In the 16 years, the fairies kept her secret to the outside world as best they could for her protection, and she had no way of learning about the world beyond what they told her. Now, the final common complaint is it teaches girls to just fall in love with and marry any guy that saves your life. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's about 10 minutes of screen time or 13% of the 75-minute film devoted to them meeting each other and falling in love. She's even heartbroken when she thinks she'll never see him again. She already wanted to marry him. The fact that he saved her was just gravy. You may say, no one falls in love that quickly, and I will say, have you met a 16-year-old? So, all in all, none of that matters, though, because the story isn't about Aurora. She is the MacGuffin that kicks off the fairies slash Maleficent chess game. And if you view it through that lens, it's an amazing movie. If you haven't seen this one in a while, watch it. It's so good. I didn't even talk about when the fairies try to make Aurora a dress without magic and then get into a fight over the color of the dress or when the two kings threaten each other with war while a minstrel gets drunk around them. It's hilarious. All right. That's Sleeping Beauty. There probably won't be a new podcast next week. Thanksgiving is a big deal with my family, so I will not be able to record anything. Try to carry on without me. Be a brave soldier. But describe on iTunes so you know when I come back. Uh, email me at morethatstorypodcast at gmail.com if there's a movie you like that you think people need to see the light on, or if there's one that other people like and you'd like to see the light about it. Or if there's one you don't like, but you don't know why, or you don't know why other people like it. I'd like to tackle that sometime. So, uh, happy Thanksgiving, and you will hear from me in December. Mm-hmm.